The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Yesterday, we began looking at the anointing of David as king from 1 Samuel chapter 16. Today, we continue with this thought, examining some of the contrast between the life and reign of Saul and the life and reign of David, and also seeing how that God does not look upon the outward things, but upon the inward man. Ultimately, God knows better than we do who the right man is for the job, and that's the man he anointed in this case the shepherd boy David, who became the greatest earthly king of Israel. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
See, Saul's reign was initiated by man. But now, before we keep going down this path, let's, let's switch gears and let's look over at the reign of David. David's reign, on the other hand, was initiated by God. Remember what we read in 1 Samuel 16? In verse 1, the very last phrase, he says, For I have provided me a king among his sons. That's what God says he was doing. Now, you've got your own king. You, you asked for a king. I gave you a king in my anger. I took him away in my wrath. But now, uh, Israel, he says to Samuel, I have provided me a king among the sons of Jesse. And Samuel said in verse 2 and verse Samuel chapter 16, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. The Lord said, Take an heifer with thee and say, I'm come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. Now, uh, don't, don't misunderstand me. If you read the account of Saul's selection, God directed Samuel to Saul. He led him there. But the problem with Saul was is that the children of God in that day were warning Saul of their own volition so they could be like the nations. And now God says, okay, you see how what a debacle that has been? <laughs> and we're going to talk about that in a minute. Now we're going to see... What happens when I do it? He says, I, he said, thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. Samuel's anointing of David was initiated by God. Now, you think about it, we, we won't belabor this because we covered it a couple of weeks ago, but you think about how, you know, Samuel had selected Saul. And you remember the story, you know, in, in the, when they first picked out Saul, when he first saw Saul, he was, a, he was the goodliest person. He was the, he was the most handsome guy around. And he stood from head and shoulders, he was taller than everybody else around. I'm telling you, he was, you know, y'all laugh at me about my Arnold Schwarzenegger example all the time, but he was an Arnold among men back then, let me tell you. He was standing up there, he had been pumping iron, he was all built up, he looked good, he looked like a king. And that's what men, uh, that's probably, I'm sure that's what Samuel had in his mind as he goes down there. And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, this preconceived notion that he had. He goes down there and, and it came to pass in verse 6 when they were come that he looked upon Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. He was the oldest. He was, uh, he was the biggest. He was the largest. We see he's, a, he's an outgoing guy as we read about him uh, later on. He was, uh, he was clearly king material. <laughs> But look at verse 7. And we talked about this, as I said, but we need to revisit it today. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Which brings us to our first principle of God's anointing versus man's choice. It is not physical appearance that matters, but spiritual attitude. It's not physical appearance that controls. God zeroes in on the heart. Uh, he told one of the kings over in 2 Chronicles 16 and verse 9, he said, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. That doesn't mean sinlessly perfect, but it means mature. It means someone who is seeking to be like God. He calls David a man after God's own heart. Now, at the very least, I don't know what all that means, but at the very least it means that we love what God loves. <laughs> That we want what God wants. That we, uh, we're seeking what God seeks. If you're 
after, if, you, if your hearts are in, in, uh, in line with each other, if your hearts are together, that means you li like the same things. You love the same things. And you want to be in the same places. It's not physical appearance that matters, but spiritual attitude. <laughs> you know, that's something that when the time comes someday, when we, which we don't feel any need or, or uh, impression toward that right now, but someday if we ever decide to ordain a deacon, say, oh boy, he's a great businessman. He'll be a good deacon. <laughs> Is that what God cares about? Is that what he, let's look over in Acts chapter 6 for just a minute and see what God cares about when it comes to deacons. And by the way, don't be clamoring too hard. Don't be campaigning too hard to be a deacon. Because you know what a deacon means? It means a servant. It means a servant. That's what a deacon is. A deacon is a servant. So, chapter 6, when it came time to, uh, of Acts, when it came time to set up deacons, in verse 3, he says, uh, Peter says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Did he say anything about, oh man, he's run a business for years. <laughs> he's done great. He's, he did great in the stock market. <laughs> he knows how to play it. He no, he says, you've got to be, first of all, honest. Honest. And secondly, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. That means, sounds a little bit like a heart like God's, doesn't it? <laughs> sounds a lot like a man after God's own heart. Doesn't it? That's what God is looking for. He doesn't care about how you look or what your portfolio looks like. He cares about where your heart is. None of the brothers of David met this criteria. It's not physical appearance, but spiritual attitude. And it's also not a strong spirit that matters, I've heard it said, but a servant heart. Say, so, well, well, Saul had a strong spirit, and we see where that got him. But David was a true servant. You continue reading in the 16th chapter, and we mentioned this last time we were talking about him, that in verse 21 through 23, we're told David came to Saul after having been anointed king. Don't forget that. He's already been anointed king. He is the king of Israel today as we read this. He is the king on this day in the mind of God. And yet David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. <laughs> and we continue to see that he played with his heart when Saul had problems. <clears throat> you know, God says, David is my servant. You look in Psalm 89 and verse 20 sometime. He said, I have found David my servant, <laughs> and with my holy oil have I anointed him. In Matthew chapter 20 and verse 25, Jesus gives us the recipe for greatness in the kingdom of God. Verse 25 of Matthew 20, But Jesus called them unto him and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. Yeah, that's the way it is in the world today, isn't it? I told you before, it's like a pyramid. The higher you are on that pyramid, the more people are below you, the greater you are in the world. And when you get to the top of the pyramid, when you reach the top of the pile, as we say sometimes, you have really made it, right? In the world, that's the way they count it. God takes that and just completely, turn, completely turns it upside down. So in the kingdom of God, 
the pyramid is on is 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 as we say bottom upwards <laughs> the bottom is on top you see the more people you are serving the greater you are look at what he says but it shall not be so among you but whosoever will be great among you let him be your minister or your servant and whosoever will be chief among you let him be your servant why even as the son of man came not to be ministered unto but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many you see, it's, it's not a strong spirit. It's not some, you know, Saul was strong in spirit. You know, we like to see strong-spirited people that, that go out and pull themselves up by the bootstraps and make their way in this world and are successes in the world. That's not what God's looking for. He's looking for a servant heart. He's looking for a servant heart. And something else that's interesting here that you find, and you see it often in the kingdom of God, it's not public favor that matters but private faithfulness, private faithfulness. You know, your public resume does not matter when it comes to the kingdom of God. You could have been the president of the United States of America and yet be not unfit for service in the kingdom of God. In fact, I dare say most of our presidents <laughs> would have been unfit for service in one of God's little local churches in the kingdom of God. <laughs> It's not your public resume that matters. He found Moses in the desert. He found Joseph in prison. He found David over on the hillsides of Bethlehem shepherding those smelly old sheep. In the parable of the talent, when it came time to, uh, to praise the ones that had invested those little small talents that had been given to him, he said, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. You know, that's the way it's supposed to be in the kingdom of God. And that was the difference between Saul and David. Their selection as king, Saul was the choice of man. David was the choice of God. Now quickly, as we try to bring this to a close, I want to look at their direction as a king. Their direction as king. Saul's reign was primarily directed by man. It started off rather interestingly, you know, and we're not... <laughs> turn back sometime and read the ninth chapter the ninth chapter of 1 Samuel. We won't go there today. We may cover it sometime during this, uh, during this series on David. But you could not have asked for a finer specimen of king, as I've already said. In the ninth chapter, in the first verse, we read that, uh, uh, that uh, there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish. He goes on to say he, he was a mighty man of power. In verse 2, he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man and a goodly. And there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. Nobody, there was nobody more handsome than him, you see. From his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any of the people. Started off kind of interestingly. And the rest of this chapter is not about Saul reigning and ruling over anybody or anything like that. It's about him seeking to find his father's asses that had been lost. He had lost, his father's uh, donkeys had run away and he was, he sat there seeking them and looking for them and he ends up finding himself anointed as king in chapter 10 and verse 1. <laughs> Interesting story. And then in verse 21 of chapter 10, it's sort of a harbinger of what's to come. It's, it's rather ominous, uh, really. It says in verse 21, when he had caused, Samuel had caused the children of the tribe of Benjamin to come near, and he, he's, he's telling them, I'm fixing to show you who your king is. It says, and Saul, the son of Kish, was taken. And at the end of that verse, when they sought him, he could not be found. When it was time for him to become king, he couldn't be found. Why is that? He wasn't out on the hillside 
shepherding sheep. It says, Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, if the man should yet come hither. And the Lord answered, Behold, he hath hid himself among the stuff. <laughs> he hath hid himself among the stuff. It's almost like God's telling us here that Saul's getting cold feet. <laughs> cold feet. Or, or maybe he's just distracted. I want to say this to you. That's the whole message in that. We sometimes hide ourselves among the stuff of this world, don't we? <laughs> and we're not really available when God is ready for us to serve. And that's the way it was with Saul. If you continue reading, most of his entire reign, the entire reign of Saul, was a study in impatience and walking by sight. In chapter 13, because of walking by sight and not waiting, not being patient and waiting on Samuel, Saul's lineage is ended. The lineage of the kingship is ended with him. In chapter 15, because of the debacle of the Amalekites and the disobedience of Saul, his kingship is ended. And God says, I'm going to get me another king. And if you continue reading, and we will at some point get to chapter 28 and 31, you'll read that because Saul went to a witch or a wizard to seek necromancy instead of seeking counsel of God, his life was ended. His reign was more carnal than spiritual. He made bad decisions, unwise decisions, until finally God would not answer him at all. Look, look at this right here in chapter 16 again. And look at particularly at verse 14. After we read about, after we read about David's uh, anointing, in verse 13 it says, Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. Now I want you to see the contrast between 13 and 14. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. But look at verse 14. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Now, let me just say this. I uh, don't have time this morning to go into the deeper theological ramifications of this, but the bottom line is we know that the Spirit of God will not ever be fully and finally taken away from any child of God in the sense that they'll be abandoned to hell one day. But I will tell you this. Depending on your actions in this world, the guiding spirit of God and the fellowship with God that you ought to have as a child of God can be ended. Sam, a Samson woke up one morning and he wished not that the spirit of God had departed from him. He was still a child of God, but oh, he was a wandering lost child of God in this world with no guidance. Look at the difference. The spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And we read ultimately that when Saul inquired of the Lord in chapter 28 before the battle that ended his life, he said, The Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. What a sad state for a child of God to get in. But David's reign was primarily directed by God. Saul's reign was primarily directed by man. David's reign was primarily directed by God. And one of the first things we see that shows this to us is, is, is the rest of this story. You know, if we wrote the book, we would say, in any, this, is why, this is one reason you know this is not fiction. <laughs> this is truth. Man wouldn't write a story like this. If we wrote this story, we'd say, and Samuel took David down to Jerusalem and, uh, and presented him to the people, and he ascended the throne and deposed Saul, and they lived happily ever after. But you know, that's not what happened at all. 
if you continue reading and you go to the second Samuel chapter 5, we're not going to go there this morning for lack of time. Go there sometime in the, the first five verses of second Samuel chapter 5. You're going to see that it was at least 14 or 15 years later when he was 30 years old that David finally became acknowledged as king before the people. But you notice what happened. The Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. His reign was more spiritual than carnal. You know, I wonder, did it manifest itself in some of the Psalms that he wrote? I'm sure it did. I know that was of the Spirit of the Lord. Did it manifest itself in maybe just some of the songs that he played and sang that we don't even have a record of? Maybe all of the above, his actions. Their direction as king was so different. Saul's reign was primarily directed by the carnal, by man. And David's reign was primarily directed by God. So what are the lessons for us? Well, let me just quickly, and I know our time is gone, let me share this with you to give you a little hope. Because I know in my own life, I've gotten off track before. I've gotten off what I believe the, the pathway that God would have had me to be on. And sometimes we have this idea that there's one pathway and that's it. And when you miss the boat, you're forever stuck on some side street dead end. But that's not the case. Look with me back over to 1 Samuel chapter 12 right quick. And I know our time is up, but we need to get this before we go. Chapter 12 and verse 6. Samuel said unto the people, It is the Lord that advanced Moses and Aaron that brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. Now therefore stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord of all the righteous acts of the Lord which he did to you and to your fathers. And, he, and when Jacob was come into Egypt, you, your fathers cried unto the Lord. Then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron which brought forth your fathers out of Egypt. And he goes on to talk about how that uh, God has been providing for you and yet now you have rejected him and you're in, he's, he's basically calling them to account. He's saying, you're wrong for asking for a king. In verse 13, though, he says, uh, no, verse 20, the people, the people said, after he, he called into account, the people said, we're so sorry we did this. I'm sorry. You know, they said, uh, said just uh, pray for us that we die not, for we've had added to all our sins this evil to ask us a king. But look at verse 20. Samuel said unto the people, fear not. Fear not. You have done all this wickedness. Yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with your heart, all your heart, and turn you not aside, for then should you go after vain things which cannot profit. In verse 22, For the Lord will not forsake His people for His great name's sake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you His people. And he says in verse 23, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. Notice, God is faithful to forgive us even when our rebellion sets us on the wrong path. Secondly, God expects us to serve Him where we are. He expected Moses to serve Him in the wilderness. He expected Joseph to serve Him in prison. He expected David to serve Him in the sheepfold. In Psalm 78 and verse 70, we read, He chose David also his servant and took him from the sheepfolds, from following the ewes great with young. He brought him to feed Jacob his people and Israel in his inheritance. So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. David, when you're in the sheep fields, serve the sheep, shepherd them. Wherever you are, 
you should serve God. And finally, God will get us where we need to be in His time if we are serving Him. Remember what Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 9 says, A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. That doesn't, that's not absolute predestination of all things, but that's telling us this. If your motor is running for God, if you're doing what God would have you to do, God will lead you. God will guide you. He said, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Now, the steps of a wicked man aren't, but the steps of a good man who's seeking to serve God. David's motor was running for God. And we're going to see as we continue this study that God put him in the right place to train him to be the ruler of Israel. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.